Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money of M89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for Mind Your Business. So at the Singapore budget this year, the government announced setting aside a hundred million Sing dollars to help firms implement training and transformation plans. And right now we see borders being lifted, economies picking up. So Singapore faces strong pressure to bridge the divide between new digital realities and skills gap of its workforce. It's, it's a necessity to pull off this transition, right? So how can you ensure that you're taking the right steps in your skills development journey? Our next guest is a former investment bank managing director, lecturer, and now a LinkedIn influencer. Yeah, he's got 2 million followers. He's got a unique story, okay, revolving around a simple potato, and he uses analogies around being a fast food combo specialist. I want to find out more about his story. With us this morning is Eric Sim, author, Small Actions and founder, Institute of Life. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Elliot. Thanks oh, for having me. Gosh, you're making me hungry talking about potatoes in the morning. Okay, <laughs> you've done it all, Eric. You're a banker, lecturer, speaker, author. You wear many hats, as Ryan would like to say. Uh, tell us a little bit about your life journey. How did you end up where you are right now? Yeah, I grew up in a family of hawkers. You know, my father was selling prawn noodles. And I lacked the social skills. No idea what's happening in the world except, you know, cooking prawn noodle. And I also failed several subjects in school, including uh, English. So I thought, since I'm so not confident, can't aim high, can I just take small action? So I took a lot of small action over the course of like 20 to 30 years. And I developed this whole set of different skill sets, which were irrelevant at that time. For my work, uh, but now it became very useful as I developed my portfolio career. Mm. What is this deal about the potato that you keep talking about? Ah, okay. So, you know, when I was young, I was seriously underweight, physically weak. Then my mother, you know, I, I was like maybe uh, 10, 10 years old, and my mother was telling me, hey, eat your potato, you know, kids are carving cartoon characters out of it. Okay. And I say, oh, that's Really? Next day I went to school, I went on the school bus, I told the boy next to me, he laughed at me and then he told the entire school bus, of course, entire school bus students uh, laughed at me as well. Oh yeah, okay. And I was devastated. The person I trusted most in my entire life gave me information that wasn't true. Mm. And I stopped doubting myself and I'm not sure what I know is, uh, is valid. So I keep verifying my knowledge, keep pursuing new knowledge right. to overcome that inferiority complex. Right. You know, I can relate to you with this story, you know, because when I was in primary school, I had to go back home and figure out what the short forms for things like RSAF stood for. <laughs> and my father told me it was Royal Singapore Air Force. I went, I wrote that on my paper, you know, like oh. a fool. Went back to school and the whole class uh, had a good laugh. Today, never again. Oh. I will never be in that situation again. How did you then, you know, slowly upskill with all these little uh, skill set and advance your career? Tell me more about it. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking, hey, um, what, what else can I do? Maybe I just focus on my mathematics subject because I failed my mathematics. Okay. So, I say I give up everything. Forget about English. Forget about history, literature. Just focus on mathematics. So I did a 10-year series like 10 times uh, okay. for each question. And then that gives me some confidence. Then people start coming to me to say, 
hey, Eric, can you help me with this question? So previously, I wasn't useful to anyone. Mm. And now suddenly I find myself, hey, I've got some use. Uh, some of these uh, girls are also coming to me <laughs> to, to ask me for help. I say, okay, finally I'm getting a bit of confidence and then use that confidence to build other subjects and right. build other skill sets. I got a horrible question, Eric, at this point. Yeah. Express normal cat or normal tech? Uh, I was uh, breast, yeah. At the time, I was okay. uh, so for, for four years of uh, school. Right, right. Uh, I was very lucky. Mm. Uh, although I failed several subjects, I, I think during the transition, right, they, they gave me express. Uh, but I, I didn't do well. Um, during secondary three. Yeah. Do you ever feel, I mean, when you look back, and now that we're talking about this, right, when you compare yourself with your peers, do you feel that you were taking a slower route, but at the end of the day, we all end up at the same end point? Yeah, much, much slower. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah, maybe it took me 10 years slower than other, other people. Mm, yeah. mm. Did it ever, I mean, like, surely you must have felt frustrated at some point. I think it's, Beyond frustration, is um, it is way beyond that. Is yeah. giving up hope. Yeah. It's like there's, there's not much hope in this world because no matter how I try, the progress is so slow. And yeah. starting from like really at the bottom. I mean, it's also a Singapore structure, right? Where you have so much emphasis on education. You have this whole like in the past, it's all about five C's, right? You got all oh, make sure you get a good job, get a high paying job by a certain age. You got this and you got that. How did you deal with all of those challenges? Yeah, uh, so uh, one step at a time, and also I realized that uh, being a failure mm. sometimes can be uh, a strength. Okay. So, for example, you know, I, I got 28 out of 100 for, for my English literature. And, you know, if my son get that 28 for any subject, I, I, I would have killed him, right? <laughs> and <laughs> for, for, for me, fortunately, my parents didn't do anything to me. And then um, seven years ago, I decided to write my uh, LinkedIn article. Right. And I write in short sentences, simple English. Yes. And it worked. Yeah, more for that. I'm no one to talk. I myself only got my degree at the age of 40 this year. Well, I'm curious, you know, what is your life philosophy? I think something that the the millennial generation, the younger millennial generation and this uh, Gen Z or as we call strawberry generation, what, what do you think they can pick up here? Yeah. So um, what, just, just now you say, hey, this potato making you hungry. Let me make you hungry even more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got this uh, combo specialist concept. Okay. Which is, you know, if you go to McDonald's, there's a combo meal, there's a burger, fries, and then there is Coke. Yeah. Burger is our core specialization. Okay. Fries is our secondary specialization, and Coke is our interest. So when I was uh, in, in banking, mm. so banking was my core, teaching was my secondary specialization, and social media was my Coke. So okay. I combined these three then now I can go to the school, university, and teach banking, finance, teach them career skills. And at the same time, right, I can also go to social media so that my students can continue to learn even after the class. It sounds like having an interest also makes you a bit more of a unique proposition in whatever company or whatever setting that you work in, right? Absolutely. Um, I think this is also what is lacking in many people. They focus on, on work mm. and they find that um, every day, every week is repetitive. 
So because they, they haven't got time to develop an interest. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy that when I applied to do some teaching outside of my banking job, my bosses uh, agreed to let me do that. Okay. And these days, you know, the companies like LinkedIn or ServiceNow, not only do they allow com- uh, employees to do that, they also uh, encourage employees to learn something outside and bring it to work. So everyone is unique. Okay. Would you mind offering a bit of free advice this morning? I, I use myself as a case study and maybe, you know, whoever's listening can sort of try and apply that. So, say I see myself as my core skill would be communication. And an area of interest is I like strategy. I like planning content. I've gone and studied, blah, blah, blah. And I want to be more of a content strategist as opposed to just being some guy that talks on air. Yeah. What would your advice be if I want to pivot my career in that sense? Yeah. So look, for you, you already got your your burger is super super strong. Your your like right. double cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, hungry lah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now your your fries would be. Can you create a couple of examples? So work with a few people. Okay. Okay. Say for example, if you work with me to say, hey Eric, you know you got this story. Let me bring you the story to a different group of audience. Right. Because you you can do that right, and yeah, then okay. with your name. I can assure you, you can approach almost anyone in Singapore. 90% they're going to say yes to you. And then it can be in the private, you know, you don't need to showcase them on, on radio. But of course, if, if you do, you it will be even better. But imagine even if you don't do that, you just work one-on-one. Mm-hmm. They say, now I've got somebody who is going to help me pronounce better, pitch better. Mm. At the same time, right, I offer you my knowledge. Okay, okay. So if you have five of those, so that is your, your fries. And then your, your burger could be a bit of social media because you already got a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, some regular posting of not about your radio show, but about what you learn and then share your journey with other people. So mm-hmm. that can be very powerful when you combine the whole combo. Anyone who is in this situation, be it a marketing guy or a director or whatnot, just listening to the way you describe that, it's really about not needing or not overemphasizing on, oh, I need to get to the masses, but if I just do one person at a time, claw a little bit at a time, I can already make a difference to my own career, to my own pivot in that sense. Absolutely. Just one person, just take one action um, can make a difference. And of course, it's, it's doing it um, a bit every day. Mm. You've got this training program, right? Something that popped up that got my interest, training leaves. How does this provide a win-win environment for both the employer and employee? Could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So when I say training leaves, it's like training day off. And it, you know, especially for small, medium-sized companies, <laughs> okay. sometimes they, they, they cannot pay for training. Mm. Or if they organize mandatory training, it will be compliance training or trainings that are good for the companies, not necessarily for the workers. Mm. So I'm saying that, how about giving three to five days training leave, let your employees go and have, or go to training of their own choice. They want to do video editing. They want to learn how to speak better, uh, learn from Iliad, you know, let them go for it and then bring that into the workplace. Mm. So this is win-win number one, the employees say, hey, I got three days off. Let me go and find a course I pay for myself. And employees who are willing to pay for themselves are the employees that you want to keep. Right. 
are we too rigid, you know, that in the sense that I need to see, perhaps this is something we inherited from the government of the past where productivity, number one, you know, this whole cash car condominium. Whereas you talk about training leave, how harmful is it if I go and learn something that interests me, say baking, for example, but I come back with a different perspective. It's a bit of creativity. It, it might make a difference. No, you will be motivated. Mm. You feel that your employer took care of you, even if it's not related to, say, uh, radio. But you can still bring out, hey, I went for this uh, cooking. Who knows? You get cooking sponsors. You get food sponsors. It makes you uh, a better and a more interesting person. Sure. And I, I think that is lacking. Otherwise, right, work is very mechanical. Everybody goes through the same training. Mm. Everybody can talk about the same thing. And then we spend 10 hours with uh, colleagues talking about the same thing. That That is not uh, long last. Yeah, some toxicity can grow out of that. I mean, just looking at the workplace here in Singapore, and you know, we are having a conversation about how you can perhaps have a better, a different perspective on one's career. Is there a problem or is there a struggle amongst Singaporeans or working in Singapore where perhaps the perception that you need to make too big a sacrifice in order to carry multiple careers or maybe it's not a good idea to have multiple careers, you should focus on just one. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so this like talking about work-life balance, we have to make uh, <laughs> yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so I don't do work-life balance. I do uh, work-life integration and okay. also uh, rhythm. Work-life integration is sometimes when I travel overseas to teach, I bring my family along. You know, my kids will take like three to five days off from school. Mm. Um, so we, we will then still spend time together. And uh, I also let them uh, see part of my work rather than say every day 7 p.m. I need to be at home. Mm. No, I also do read them. You know, at the beginning uh, of my career, when I just graduated, I worked super hard, you know, even including weekends. Then after that, uh, try to find a partner. So focus on that. Then after that, you know, when you have kids, you, you focus on your kids. So after the kids can walk, then I focus on work again. Right. So it's more like rhythm. Sometimes you focus on work, sometimes you focus on, on, uh, on, your, li- on your life. Right, right. So, so not quite like having a timetable, <laughs> but somewhat similar in that sense? Yeah, it's uh, what we call rhythm. So depending on the stage of your, your life, right? okay. finding a, a partner okay. is very important. Okay. So that okay. period, look for, spend time, go out, socialize. But once you find a partner, you focus on work again. Right. right. So it's really applying the right kind of emphasis at the right time, depending on your life stage. Because sometimes we tend to like tend to slack off, you know, when it, when it comes to creating these sorts of priorities. Yeah. Um, some, sometimes they okay, I need to be home by 7 p.m. every okay. day okay. before I can be seen as a good father. Uh, <laughs> no, not necessarily. Sometimes right. I come home very late. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I will take half a day off to see my kids, you know, yeah. joining some sports. Also, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to be willing and clear that you've got to set your own standards and not follow the, you know, conform to what is deemed as the norm as well. Interesting conversation, Eric. I've had a lot of fun. Eric Sim, the author, Small Actions and Founder Institute of Life. Appreciate your time. Take care. Enjoy the long weekend, yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.